Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show offers listeners firsthand insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and informative weekly blog, where you'll read and can comment on life as wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Chris. Like Chris said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. Before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have who you just heard from, Chris Cannon, my co-host, who will be managing the board and taking your calls. Say hello, Chris. Hi. And recording this show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jason Malik from Arise Studios in Conway, Arkansas. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. Matthew, are we live? No. Oh, no, you don't want to watch us. How far away are we from being live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page? I don't know. Five minutes? Okay. That's okay. It will be ready shortly. And I have to take responsibility for that. I was very late getting here, so my technicians didn't have time to get it together, so I can't be mad at them. As you notice, I'm being really nice. But anyway, when it is live, it's fun to watch what goes on behind the scenes because there's always something fun going on behind the scenes. And if you know me, I'm kind of a funny person, aren't I, Ryan? You're hilarious, actually. I would describe you as a laugh a minute. Oh, there you go. Uh, If for some reason you miss any part of today's show or want to hear it again, there's a way. And Chris is going to tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to flagandbanner.com and then click on radio show. Also, by joining our email list or liking us on Facebook, you'll get a reminder notification the day of the show with a sneak peek of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy began as a platform for me, a small business owner and a guest to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Originally, my team thought and I thought it would appeal to entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but it seems to have had a wider audience appeal because after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? And there are a lot of them out there. To see people in their totality is humanizing. We all thirst to connect and make sense of an overcomplicated world. And on this show, we have the luxury of time to go deeper than a soundbite or a headline. It's no secret that successful people work hard, but another common trait found in many of my guests are the heart of a teacher, belief in a higher power, and creativity because business is creative. And my gosh, my guest's business today is so creative in so many ways, on so many levels. My guest today is Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Programming Director for Oxford American Literary Project. This nonprofit is the brainchild of Mr. Wark Saban, who, by the way, is currently running for mayor in the November election and has been on the show before, and who was once the publisher of Oxford American Magazine. Warwick, a New York transplant, loves the Southern culture, as he told us on the show, and decided he wanted to highlight the South in a more all-encompassing way than just with his magazine. So he applied and received a grant 
for his vision, partnered with Amy and Matt Bell to open South on Main Restaurant and hired the successful, well-known Mr. Ryan Harris from St. Louis, Missouri, to open and found his brainchild, the nonprofit Oxford American Literary Project. Because of Ryan Harris's reputation and good work as director of facilities and events at another nonprofit for the arts, the Sheldon Concert Hall and Art Galleries, work sought him and hired him. It was two, 2013 when Ryan moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and the rest is history. Through Oxford American Literary Project, Ryan has successfully built an organization that celebrates and supports Southern artists of all genres. He has implemented the Oxford American Jeff Baskin Winters Fellowship Grant and offers UCA students internships at the OA Magazine. Co-worker and once publisher of Oxford American Magazine, Ray Wittenberg says about Ryan, Ryan has a Ryan has made a significant contribution to the cultural quality of life here in our community with his work as program director. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the hardworking and well-respected Mr. Ryan Harris and my friend. Thank you for coming on, Ryan. Carrie, thank you so much. That's uh, that's a heck of an introduction there. I told I guess, you I could do your eulogy. I guess you could. <laughs> and I told you, let's go ahead and contract that in right now. Of course, I don't, I don't know if you'll be here for my eulogy, but... What know. was that? Oh! <laughs> Just because I'm older than you? <laughs> I just wanted to get this interview started off on the right foot. Which, you did. Which is going to be back and forth bantering. And, yeah, reckless. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, so you're from St. Louis, Missouri. Are you born there? I was not, actually. I was born in Nashua, New Hampshire, of all places, but lived most of my life in St. Louis. And I don't know why I feel like this, and this may be so far off, but I feel like your mother must have been a school teacher. My mother was not a school teacher. I don't know why I think that about you. <laughs> my mother-in-law like a... was a school teacher, though. Your mother what? Your mother-in-law? Or my mother. Yeah, my mother-in-law was a school you teacher. You just seem so. like a protege of a mother who was a school teacher? Well, you got good work ethic. You know, maybe, um, maybe it's that that Catholic guilt or something. You know, growing up in St. Louis, you got a Catholic church on every corner. So. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. So you went to school, Olin School of Business at Washington University. I did. So I have to say the story about Brian just a minute ago. So I called him today because the radio station, uh, its a transformer was. I guess struck by lightning, and they're out there on the tower working on it. So we didn't, we weren't going to mm -hmm. be able to go live today on the radio. So I called Ryan and said, "Do you want to go ahead? We'll be live on Facebook. We'll be able to make a podcast. We can play it on another day. Do you want to go ahead today?" And he said, "Carrie." When I called him, he answered the phone and said, Carrie, I have talked to your staff so many times this week. I feel like I'm on the payroll over there. And I said, Ryan, I have studied so much about you. I feel like I could do your eulogy. So back at you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you went to school at Olin School of Business at Washington University. You got a BS, BA, Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. You came out of school and were a financial advisor at Equity Financial Services selling insurance. That does not sound like you can talk to me about that. Well, that's interesting. Um, I'm first of all, I'm, I'm kind of curious where you got all this information. I didn't know it was widely available out there. There's but, a lot about you online. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I was a total sellout. Um, I went to business school at WashU and and um, had degrees in marketing and HR and uh, worked for a money management firm actually uh, right out of school. Had been doing an internship with these guys for a couple of years and. Uh, Thought that I enjoyed the work and the lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. And boy, I tell you, uh, 2006 was a tough year for 
oh, young person to be starting in uh, in the financial services industry. So, um, yeah, had some some minor success, but ultimately, you know, with everything happening in two thousand seven and eight with the markets, it just uh, wasn't the right fit for me, and couldn't couldn't stomach all the the ups and downs. So, yeah. parallel with that, though, at the time, um, I had started, uh, you know, learning to produce and. Um, produce you know, what music? Uh, I'm sorry, learning to produce arts events. Oh, um, arts events. And so, uh, with a with a a mentor, now a mentor of mine, but a, a former professor of mine uh, from WashU named Rich O'Donnell. Who's Is that had, the new music circle? Yeah. So Rich has had a profound impact on my life, but um, kind of parallel with my time starting in financial services, I um, started working with uh, with Rich in this small grassroots arts organization called New Music Circle. And really cut my teeth learning how to contract artists, produce shows, um, you know, all the advanced work and liaising that goes into, you know, making a live experience, whether that's a concert or a poetry event or video. You liked it. You liked it. You're passionate about it. Yeah. So I loved it and, um, you know, had been doing that while I was trying to build the whole financial services thing and um, sort of realized at the end of 2008, well, this financial services thing is working, but I really love this, you know, this arts management thing mm-hmm. so yeah um that's hard work so you work all day at one job and you work all night at your other job and you see which one plays out and it obviously was the <laughs> music one and yeah. so but it must not have been making you very much money because you went from there to let's see the sheldon arts foundation how did you make the leap from new music circle to sheldon arts Foundation? yeah so that's that's an, a funny story too so you know new music circle was sort of just a part-time you know side gig doing it for the love of it getting paid a little bit of money but um you know quit my job in finance late 2008 and um was looking for jobs looking for for internships um was i I had run a grass cutting business for years and so you know was cutting grass and things just scraping by trying to figure out how can i land in the arts how can i find a job here in st louis doing something like this and so I applied for an internship with uh, the Sheldon Arts Foundation for marketing and uh, was lucky enough that they sort of pulled my resume out of obscurity and said, really? wow, this looks great. Um, unfortunately, we've, we've, filled this, um, we've filled this marketing internship position now. I said, oh, well, you know, it's too bad. They said, well, but we do have another position that's opened up. I said, well, what's that? I said, a receptionist. I said, oh, um, and and how much does that pay? I said, well, it's a volunteer <laughs> position, but um, but you'll get down here and you'll get to meet all of us, and it'll be a really good experience. So I swallowed my pride, you know, two years out of school and money management licenses and a business degree from WashU, and I went and started answering the phones for free at the Sheldon and uh, did that for about three months. And uh, right when I was at my breaking point and decided oh, I need to do something with my life here, um, they said, hey we just had a job open up and we really want you to apply for it. And, um, so yeah, so they gave me a shot and, uh, I ended up getting hired onto their operations team. Um, started managing the building and running the bar actually, and worked my way up in over four years, basically. Um, by the time I left the Sheldon was, um, the uh, operations director. And so, uh, really learned, uh, you know, how to, again, produce arts events, but also private events and uh, visual arts events at a high level there. Sheldon is a nonprofit. They have, oh gosh, over 350 events a year. Um, 356 days in a year. 
Well, we had uh, some some years we had four hundred events. So it was a nonprofit. It's a building built uh, in 1912, not unlike uh, the Dreamland Ballroom. Very similar architecturally to the Dreamland Ballroom. Um, and so, yeah, the Sheldon was this beautiful space uh, that was built by the Ethical Society and, and did, you know, nationally touring uh, concerts um, in jazz, folk, um, you know, classical. You genres. like all music, don't you? I do. You know who said to do exactly the uh, the career path that you just described was Warren Buffett when he was talking to uh, a group of people at um, Harvard. And they were a bunch of business graduates, and they were graduating. And someone said, how do you get a job at the place that you want to work? What are we, we're all about to graduate. How do we get the job at what we want to work? And he said, you go, you, he said, the first way to get a job is don't go for money, but go for um, find, research the company you want to work for. And they get a job there, even if it's sweeping floors, and work your way up. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I did. Well, I mean, hard workers are recognized. Yeah. I didn't, you know, if you're a hard worker and you're dependable, you'll be recognized and rewarded and moved up just exactly like what happened to you. Yeah. So Oxford America came to see you or you came to see them? Yeah. So that's an interesting story. Uh, also, um, <laughs> you want to save it for after the break? Let's save it for after the sure, break. Sure. We can save it after the break. All right. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Program Director for Oxford American Literary Project in Little Rock, Arkansas. In this next se segment, we'll dissect the sordid history of Oxford American Magazine's four-time fall and rise from bankruptcy to solvency. We'll talk about how Ryan uh, interviewed and got the position and moved to Little Rock. And we'll talk about his passion in music and the bands he's booked and heard in St. Louis and his current haunt at South on Main Restaurant. And last, we'll learn about his nonprofit's internship opportunities through UCA and his Jeff Baskin Writers Fellowship Grant. Want to create excitement for your business or event? Do it with affordable advertising from Arkansas's flagandbanner.com. We have teardrop banners, retractable banners, and table drapes. We have street pole banners, museum and exhibit banners. We have custom flags, event tents, tailgating poles, auto graphics, and window scrims. And don't forget, welcome home and sale banners. Consult the experts at Arkansas's flagandbanner.com. Go online for a free quote or drop by our historic showroom at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door -door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now a third of their sales come through the internet. And this past year, Flag and Banner added another internet feature, live chatting. Over time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew. As early as 2004, she began sharing this knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. And in 2014, Brave Magazine was launched, whose next publication is slated for October 2018. Today, she has branched out into radio with this very production, podcast, and live stream on Facebook. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you'd like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. 
That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org or send her a message on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Program Director for the nonprofit Oxford American Literary Project in Little Rock, Arkansas, an outreach program that, in conjunction with UCA, South on Main Restaurant, and Oxford American Magazine, supports and celebrates regional, mostly Southern, musicians, writers, and visual artists. Before the break, we talked about how Ryan came from St. Louis, how he has a degree in business, and he just happened to graduate from school right about the 2008 crisis, so, you know, that degree in business wasn't very good. So he followed his passion and began working as a free receptionist at the Sheldon Arts Museum and later worked his way up the ladder to where you became the, let me see, what did you become, the... The director of events, events. operations uh, uh, or something. facilities and events. Yeah, and event oh, that's operations. right. Director that's of right. facility that's and right. events yep. at the Sheldon Art Center, <laughs> and um, and then he did such a great job that when Oxford American Magazine publisher Work Saban decided he wanted to branch out from his from from just uh, talking about the South and supporting the South and celebrating the South and the Southern culture, he decided he wanted to start this nonprofit. He went and hired Ryan, who moved from St. Louis to Little Rock. How did that come to be? Sure. So, um, interestingly, I mean, the reason that I was ultimately in Little Rock is because of my wife. Oh, so, is she from Little Rock? She is from Little Rock, oh. yeah. We met. We had met in St. Louis shortly before she was taking a job back here. Um, she lived in St. Louis for eight or nine years, and uh, so she was hired um, in 2011 to come back to Little Rock, and uh, so we dated long distance for a while, and ultimately I decided that that was going to... She's, and you've got to follow her. To, she's a yeah. doctor. That's right. Yeah. She's a medical doctor. That's you right. got to follow that career. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. You work too hard to get that degree. you got to follow it around. <laughs> How many years do you have to go to school? Like 10? Yeah, way too many. I don't know. Yeah. I was done after four, you know. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, so yeah. Uh, so I moved down here in, in uh, February 2013 to follow her um, and was just lucky enough to, um, to kind of be needing a job in Little Rock uh, right around the time when the Oxford American had made this decision to, you know, start a nonprofit. To, well, so they, actually, they started the nonprofit earlier. So the nonprofit was officially incorporated in two thousand four. But the the venue p- part, um, you know, the whole South on Main thing was something that happened in two thousand twelve through an Art Place America grant. So essentially. Um, uh, the OA won this creative placemaking grant uh, through an organization called Art Place America to uh, take the the space that's now South on Main, do a big rehab of it, and turn it into a place where people could come and experience, you know, have a have an Oxford American experience. And so, I was hired to be the program director of of South on Main um, to help the magazine realize its its idea, its vision, and its obligation to uh, to come through and, and create this space due to this grant that we got. Um, obligation, that's right. Because in 2004, it was the nonprofit. Why would they have a nonprofit in 2004? Did they, did they was it, is it published by the nonprofit and written by the for-profit? No, so uh, interestingly, uh, the magazine was founded in 1992 as a for-profit yeah. in Oxford, Mississippi, and then um, it... You know, I think, as you've noted or alluded to, had a series of financial problems um, over the years. But eventually in 2000 or 2001, it was sold to a media group in Little Rock. Um, 
At home, Arkansas. Yeah, at home, Arkansas. And um, they ran it for a year or two and it wasn't really working out. And so it went out of business again um, and then was revitalized in 2004. And at that time, affiliated with UCA and incorporated as a nonprofit. Oh, I get it. <clears throat> that's why they had to so, be a nonprofit. For UCA to get involved, they had to have part of it as a nonprofit. Exactly. And so that's when we really beefed up, you know, sort of the the educational side of things. And mm-hmm. um, that's very creative. That's yeah. very creative. All right, let's just tell our listeners the story, the history, because I love how Oxford <laughs> American Magazine started in 1989. A man named Mark Smirnoff, like vodka. In Smirnoff vodka? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's gluten-free, too. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah. I know. and it, I don't know why it doesn't advertise that. Because uh, that's a great question. You know what? Maybe you should start flagging banner vodka. <laughs> no, I mean, Tito's is really charging the money for gluten-free vodka. And Smirnoff is naturally gluten-free and it's cheap. And they don't even tell anybody. I would assume it all is it's distilled from potatoes. No, it's it? all from wheat. Even the real wheat? expensive stuff's been gone wheat. Oh, really? All that mm. expensive vodka is made from wheat. Shows what I know. Well, it's because you're not gluten-free. But anyway, uh, so in 1989 in Oxford, Mississippi, Mark Smirnoff, like the vodka, was on a road trip. He's from California, a suburb outside of San Francisco, a suburb outside of San Francisco, and his BMW broke down in Oxford, Mississippi on this cross-country excursion. They probably, in 1987, couldn't get parts. I don't know why, but he ended up staying there and working at a bookstore, an independent little bookstore called Square Books. And oddly enough, John Grisham, the guy who's written a bestsellers year after year mm-hmm. lived in oxford mississippi and this little bookstore had a lot of really important writers coming mm-hmm. through there and this guy mark smirnoff got the idea to start a magazine about the yeah. so so the story goes i mean obviously i wasn't there but uh you know that the way it's been told to me is essentially what you what you said and um you know there's this great community of writers in oxford at the time who were having to send their work Elsewhere to potentially get published, you know, mostly to New York, uh, which remains obviously the, sort of the literary capital of the country today. Um, but they sort of got together and on a shoestring said, "Gosh, why don't we why don't we start this start our own magazine?" So they did, and um, yeah, because there was the uh, Atlantic Monthly, which talked about Atlanta, and then there was the New Yorker, which talked about New York. But there was nothing that was really about the South, and so he wanted to make it a little bit broader and more Southern. Yeah, I mean, I think a general interest magazine, but focused on the South, and, you know, I think his original artist statement, uh, sort of, or vision statement, sort of, um, you know, uh, doesn't necessarily say it had had to be, or the idea mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily that it was focused on the South as much as it just so happens that this is happening in the South. But, um, you know, over the years, that's that vision has evolved, and we've really, you know, obviously come to be known for is this, uh, you know, uh, organization that has empowered hundreds of artists and helped, you know, launch and sustain the careers of uh, many now significant uh, Southern writers, uh, artists, visual artists, and musicians. Um, What a great legacy. Yeah, it's really special to be a part of that. I mean, I fully acknowledge I've been with the organization five years now, and you know, there's this huge legacy and brand that was built during this 20 years prior to my involvement. Um, and, uh, I'm just really grateful to be a part of that. And, and again, um, you know, I think that what we do is really Im- important or it's, it's, uh, very much, um, well, nobody's doing I feel, it. I feel lucky. There are other people doing it, but I feel very lucky to, um, 
you know, be in a position where essentially my job is to help empower these creative voices, these people who are shaping the cultural legacy of the region for I mean, years Southern to come. Southern Living Magazine is more <clears throat> of a woman's magazine. This is more of a writer's magazine. Yeah, it's more of a writer's magazine, more of a, uh, you know, a um, an art, artistic magazine. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, unlike maybe a commercial publication, we, you know, have always kind of been focused on the content first uh, because we're not, we're not, we're not trying to run a for-profit business that, you know, essentially exists to sell advertising to niche marketers. Well, maybe you should. It's going belly up four times. You change your hat down. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is part of the problem. I don't know why for-profit is a negative word. because <laughs> It's you know, not a negative word, but what I'm saying is the fact that we're non-profit allows us, I think, the flexibility to focus on content first rather than, gosh, we need to... Uh, you know, cater to, cater to a certain profile because we know that we're going to be able to sell those ads to X, Y, and Z. And so maybe unlike some of those other titles that you talked about, um, we have been a, maybe a little bit more authentic and genuine to what, you know, some of the complex social, economic, racial um, challenges have been that have faced the South and have, and have you know, uh, confronted those head on rather than sort of uh, presenting this you know, idealized, romanticized version of the South with gingham tablecloths and iced tea sitting on the front porch. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, so listen. The debut was 1992. He got all these writers to, for free, these paid professional pro, pro writers to write for free articles. He put it in his magazine, and he launched it in 1992. Um, he did it with his credit card. He launched it with money off his credit card which is a lot of small businesses do and he also did it with a bunch of his friends which i think is the great friends and family and credit cards i think is a great way to start a small business hmm. i think that is a, i mean i'd rather do that than a bank and you often hear that if you go to the sba they'll say go to your friends and family and credit cards first interesting i know uh um, the, um he also had the cover of the magazine was done by a local artist i think for free but it was only published for two years because in 1994 it didn't have enough funding mm -hmm. and probably no one wanted to keep writing for free <laughs> probably not and artists have a problem about selling ads i mean about about sales let's just say that about sales they want to create sure. instead of doing the, the sales different part. way of thinking it's a different way of thinking so it it stopped in 1994 so count that's the first time it goes it went it came up and went down Okay, the second time was a year later, and John Grisham, who we talked about a few minutes ago, who lived in Oxford, couldn't stand it. He decided to put his own money in and resurrected it. Yeah, that's, again, that's my understanding. Um, I wasn't there, but, uh, yeah, John um, I became the first publisher, I guess, at that point. Um, and so um, there's actually a great letter from him that's a, that he you know, a letter from the publisher that's appeared in one of those early issues and um, just saying something to the effect of, uh, you know, Mark Smirnoff asked me to be the publisher of the Act for American and, and uh, I agreed. And then I said, well, what, what does a publisher actually do? What am I supposed to do? And so it was this kind of, uh, you're the man with the money. Yeah. Kind of quirky, uh, kind, uh, you know, self-aware joke about, well, I, got myself into this not really sure what it is but yeah so my understanding is that he you know uh grisham provided a lot of financial backing for a number of years and Five. um there was uh you know some strategy around um serializing some of his books um and releasing them uh piecemeal in the oxford american and um at that time 
uh, you know, I think some of the painted, some of the strategy or some of the uh, yeah, the the painted house, right? which is actually about Arkansas. Some of the, the the advice was, well, gosh, we need to you know really up the circulation on this thing. Let's get it on every grocery store newsstand in the country, and so they were printing tons and tons of copies and. Uh, That'll make you go bankrupt fast. Yeah, and so so uh, Smirnoff's still the editor. Yep, and Grisham's now the money man. That's my understanding. And they're doing a book. They're gonna, uh, like you said, do snippets out of his or or short stories about mm-hmm. teasers out of the books yeah. that he's writing. Right. And the and the one he did was the painted house, which I thought was about Arkansas, which I read, which was good. And mm-hmm. I don't even read, and I read it, and it was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. <laughs> But after in two, th- he he pulled the plug on that in two thousand. So he did it five years. He said, mm-hmm. "This is a hole where all my money goes." Yep, like the song. And that's okay. That's one. That's two. That's two resurrections and two downs. Now third. Uh, it, two years later, it comes to Little Rock, mm-hmm. and like you said, it was in conjunction with At Home, Arkansas, and they tried to do it, but in. Again, insufficient advertising revenue. And sure. they sell for a living. They have a staff that sells. Why is it hard to sell ads in Oxford, America? Mm, that's a great question. American. Uh, I wish I knew the answer to it. I mean, um, I think because, you know, part of it is because it's very niche. You know, it's it's relatively small circulation, right? How many? What is the circulation? Currently, uh, it's about 20,000 copies um, for the for the non-music issues and 50,000 for, um, for the music issue. So, and, and people pay for those, right? It's not a free publication. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a mm, newsstand price is 1095. So uh, it's an expensive magazine. Sure. But it's almost books. There's how many articles are in it? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, the way we look at it is, you know, good writing and good art are worth mm-hmm. paying for. Mm-hmm. And, um, I agree. you know, we are, um, we are compared to and, and are sort of in the same league as other magazines that like the New Yorker and How much like does the it Atlantic. Cost? I couldn't tell you what the exact you don't know what your price competition is now. Is paying. It's well, over ten dollars not- a an oh. issue. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, um, getting back to your question, why is it difficult to sell oh, ads yeah. for the Oxford American? <laughs> I wish I knew the answer to that other than you know, it, the circulation's relatively low and and what we do again is very it's very niche. It's it's done on a high quality level. It's it's very much about the quality of the writing and the art, and um, you know the it's it's not marketing driven first. It's sort of yeah. It's sort of editorially driven first. Yeah. So which is why it was good that in two thousand. So again, third time down, third resurrection, third. They decide uh, at home group of magazines decides to stop in two thousand and three, and in two thousand and four, it is turned into a nonprofit, mm-hmm. which I think is. Perfect. And UCA comes in and um, gives it the revitalization yep. it needs. Moves it to the Conway campus. Yeah. So there were there were um, I guess in the in the old main building for a while up there, and then um, a few years after that, we moved to a house off campus for a while. But we've essentially had an ongoing affiliation with UCA since two thousand four. And so now they're doing great. You're doing great. It's two thousand four. This is the one. This is why this could be a Netflix series. <laughs> I swear it could be because in 2008, are y'all sitting down? The secretary, the business secretary is caught embezzling money. Yeah. Can you believe that? They're solvent. They're doing good. She's not paying the corporate taxes and she embezzles money for about a year. She pleads guilty, goes to jail. 
supposed to give the money back, but it's going to be just like OJ. You're never going to see a dime because she's going to be like uh, cash only. Pay me cash only for everything. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Has she paid any money or do you know? I, I can't comment on that. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> okay, so UCA saves the day again. Yep. And they restructure. And they put, they take uh, uh, the current publisher and uh, and replace him with Wark Saban, mm-hmm. who is already on the payroll at the University of Arkansas as a spokesperson. And he's doing such a good job as a spokesperson. They say, come in and save Oxford Magazine. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Wark, he's like, okay. Yeah, so um, again, I don't know all the details of it, but uh, my understanding is for several years he... You know, he worked for free as a publisher. You're he was, kidding. Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, he was, uh, I, again, I could be wrong at this, but I, I believe so he was. People are so passionate that work over there. He was sort of, you know, working full time um, at UCA and then part of his responsibility became or, you know, his time was sort of spent doing, running the OA and doing that. And so, um, yeah, he certainly um, was key in, you know, building a new board. And um, I think, putting some some structure in place that hadn't been there. And, um, and a mystery donor shows up around this time and gives the OA uh, $100,000, and I can guess who that was. Yeah, uh, to pay back the taxes. Get, and, to, to get them out of the IRS debt. Yep, yep, we were very fortunate about that. Okay, and, here's another one, and you don't have to talk very much about this. So here we are, right before Ryan's about to come to work. You're just about to come to work for Oxford America. <laughs> and the guy that we've been talking about, Mark Smirnoff, has a disgruntled employee that quits and slaps a sexual harassment case on him. Yeah. I I'm mean, telling you, it's a Netflix miniseries. <laughs> Netflix miniseries. Maybe you should produce it, Carrie. <laughs> no, because I'll, I'll just tell it because the producing we just learned and publishing costs money. I'll just tell it. Because I have researched it. It's a, it's a convoluted story. So you get the sexual harassment case against Mark Smirnoff and his uh, and his uh, managing editor, Carol Ann Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, um, what I know is basically what's known publicly and what's been what's been written publicly. But that, that's you've you've said it, as I understand. And um, he denies it. That was very, um, you know, that that made national news and an article it. in The New York Times. And it was very uh, traumatic moment for the organization, not only because the founding editor who'd been with the organization 20 years and was, you know, in many ways, his, this big personality and this lifeblood that was determined to keep this thing going um, all of a sudden was out. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think there was there was a, a lot of publicity around that that was that was generated by Smirnoff that was sort of bashing uh, the regime and um, you know it was this moment I think this pivotal moment where people you know writers uh, had lost their confidence on well gosh can the OA exist without um, you know without its founding editor and that 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 down lo and behold we were fortunate that uh, during that transition period um, Roger Hodge was hired. Um, who had formerly been the editor of Harper's Magazine in New York. Oh, really? And uh, so Roger brought a lot of stabilization. He redesigned the magazine, brought a lot of grace to it, and um, you know, in many ways uh, helped, again, move us toward professionalizing and consistency of, of the output and the writing and things like that. Where did he live? Did he move here? He did not. No, Roger was based in Brooklyn. So that was a... 
you know, it's one of these interesting phenomena about business these days, especially things that can be done, you know, remotely over the internet is that when I started at the OA, we had employees or contractors or affiliates who were involved in making the magazine probably in six or seven different locations around the country. So this editor didn't move. Editor didn't move. No. Hodge stayed where he was. Stayed where he was, but uh, you know, provided some great stabilization. Um, you, you trained and hired some excellent young editors, uh, brought them into the fold. Um, and, you know, shortly, shortly after Hodge was hired, uh, I was hired uh, to come down. And, you know, so while kind of the magazine stuff was being... Um, stabilized and reimagined um, following Smirnoff's departure, we had also, uh, you know, had this this vision and this obligation to follow through and open the venue space. So, Because you had already gotten the grant. We had already gotten the grant. So there were a lot of, a lot of moving pieces going on at that time. We had also um, not, sh- not, sh- yeah, not too much before then had started this video series called So Lost, which was um, shot and produced by brilliant, man named Dave Anderson who lives here in uh, Little Rock that won a national magazine award. Um, and so, you know, work really uh, helped the OA expand its thinking and expand its, you know, footprint as being more than a magazine and starting to be a multimedia, mm-hmm. really just a media company that a was, media company. that was, uh, you know, leveraging the brand, the brand's equity and curatorial instincts and relationships to be existing in these other places, like a live event experience, like a video series. They'd done some radio things uh, in conjunction with NPR, et cetera, et cetera. That's wonderful. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Program Director of Oxford American Literary Project. We'll talk about his passion music and his jazz series. Isn't it called Jazz Series? What's your Thursday night called? Uh, we just call it the, the, the concert series. At the Ox- concert series. At, at uh, South on Main. The concert. We'll talk about his passion, the concert series, which is a music that and bands that he's booked and heard uh, in St. Louis and in Little Rock. And uh, we'll be back after the break. But first, I want to remind everybody we're broadcasting live every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Time on KABF 88.3 FM, the voice of the people. I guess we're broadcasting live. Well, I I don't know. I told everybody <laughs> on Facebook earlier that we um, that the that the tower had been struck by lightning. So we may not be broadcasting live, but we are broadcasting live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page and that after after one week of every showing of every show's airing, a podcast is made available so anybody can go and see it later and we will replay this again on the air on KABF. You can listen to it in, on the podcast on all popular listening sites and YouTube. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. We have poles, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West Knight Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com. Flagandbanner.com is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. This weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners firsthand insight into starting and running a business. The ups and downs of risk-taking and the commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. 
Along with this radio show, FlagandBanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, this magazine features everyday people's real-life stories of bravery. Its goal? To inspire you to celebrate your own bravery and challenge you to recognize it in others. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfiches all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Brave Magazine will be in your mailbox and hitting newsstands October 2018. Free subscriptions and advertising opportunities are available at flagandbanner.com by selecting Magazine, where you can read previous stories and learn about advertising opportunities. Uh, you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Program Director for Oxford American Literary Project in Little Rock, Arkansas, an outreach program that, in conjunction with UCA, South on Main Restaurant, and Oxford American Magazine, supports and celebrates regional, mostly Southern, musicians, writers, and visual artists. We left off videographers you were just talking about. Yeah. Dave yeah. Anderson. Oh, yeah. So Lost series. Mm. Yes. I want to take this opportunity to give a big shout out and a big thank you to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland, which is Friday, November the 2nd, and tickets and a few tables are still available online. Before the break, we talked about how you're a business major. Then we talked about the history of um, of, uh, of Oxford American Magazine and how it should be a Netflix Netflix series. It's really kind of crazy. And now we want to talk about Ryan Harris and how mm, you 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 said you came here because your wife was a doctor and she was coming here. So what about Oxford American sold you on the idea? Yeah, so um you know I I just I'd been working at this concert hall uh the la- the, the prior, you know, 4 or 5 years and um like I said, was just sort of in the right place at the right time where the Oxford American was opening a new venue space and they needed somebody to program it. And um, what that actually meant was they they needed somebody with operations experience. And you were a facility start. and event operations person. Yep. Did you apply for the job or did he come and find you work? How did that happen? Um, yeah, I applied for the job. I was introduced to Warwick by um, some colleagues that uh of my wife who knew him through hendrix or something oh okay so um i had coffee with him in late 2012 and he sort of laid what his vision was and i said well yeah i i think i can do that i've been here's what i've been doing the last you know five years and on this level and to be honest uh, i you know i didn't think that i'd be a candidate for the job um why because um because what was described was very, very programming heavy. And though I did have a little bit of, you know, talent buying experience at the shell, then most of my job was operations. And so um, I was a little bit surprised when he said, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm considering you to be a serious candidate for this position. So I went ahead and applied and put, you know, put a plan together and uh, was hired um, in late 2013 and then started, or, I'm sorry, late 2012 and started in, in uh, early 2013. But um, where was I going with but, all that, So, Carrie? So... Did he throw out Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen's names when he did that? He did not, no. Um, because I think, tell everybody how they're involved in this. Sure. So, um, Oxford American does not own South on Main. Um, we helped create the space through a, through a grant, through tenant you? improvements, and okay. things like that. Uh-huh. 
Um, but our partners, uh, Matt and Amy Bell, um, who operate the South on Main, the restaurant, um, they, uh, they are family with uh, Mary Steenburgen, who's, of course, married to Ted Nansen. And so Mary and Ted uh, became involved with the restaurant and as family. investors. Yep, friends and family. That's the best way. So, um, so yeah. Uh, you know, the, the original vision for the space, programming, you know, seven nights a week, all this, all this stuff, literary, music, uh, film, um, you know, culinary, you name it. Um, so... Uh, as our as our mutual friend Kathleen King sometimes says, you gotta kind of turn on the the hot water, the cold water to sort of get the temperature right. And so, you know, we adjusted some things uh, after it got started, and and it figured out you know a way to kind of make South on Main work. Um, it works best for you know music events, and um, given my background the prior few years, um, I was able to bring some some relationships and some, um, some curatorial, uh, maybe sensibilities to, uh, bringing stuff to little rock that really wasn't appearing here previously. Um, and, you know, being very careful to curate those experiences, um, to what sort of the acoustical properties and the environment, uh, is in the room. I've heard, heard some great bands. It's a sm- how many people sit in this? How many is it able it's to It's around see? 200. It doesn't look that big. And so, yeah. So I try to focus the Oxford American booking on what I would call, you know, listening music. Um, you know, Little Rock really didn't have a proper listening room when I moved here. My understanding is the afterthought for years and years was kind of a listening experience, but it really wasn't doing a whole lot of national stuff when mm-hmm. I moved here. And so... Um, we've been really fortunate, uh, you know, to build an audience of, uh, appreciative music lovers over the last five years who enjoy coming and having this, you know, really kind of intimate experience. So um, the Dreamland Ballroom mm-hmm. had a lot of greats play there because it was a stop on the touring Chitlin circuit because Absolutely. people drove. But Absolutely. Maybe people fly now or do they still drive in their buses? The majority of people uh, drive. So um, so you're st- are we still the stop between New Orleans and St. Louis, New Orleans, Chicago, New Orleans and Memphis? So you pick up a lot of good, because it seems like you have some really good talent there on Thursday yeah, nights. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah an interesting um, an interesting conspiracy of uh, of circumstances that came together to to kind of make this all possible but the short of it is yeah geographically you know you got to drive through arkansas to get between texas and tennessee so you know many many tours start oh, many many tours start in nashville um and oh. texas is such a huge market you know people can spend two weeks playing there um and sure. so you know one or the other going and froming, going, yeah, going and froming, to, going and froming. That's good. <laughs> going and froming. I think I'm going to do Try that tonight. It, kids, going. Why don't you going and froming? <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by flagandbanner.com. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, right. so interestingly, uh, yeah, we're able to to grab some artists who are traveling through, maybe to play bigger paying shows in bigger markets between Texas and and Tennessee, or maybe between. You know, I, you've got some great stuff. So, so uh, works this. Uh, this has got to be. I didn't really know about the sexual harassment thing, about how big of a deal it was till I read about it. I knew it happened because I know all of y'all, and I knew it happened. But, but, um, work Saban leave leaving. I thought was a shocker to everybody. So you've been there about a year, and work comes in and says, not even a year, not even a year. He's hired South you. South hadn't even opened yet. Oh, has it not even opened yet? No. <clears throat> and he comes in and says, I want to, I've done my stint. I want to run for office. I'm going to resign as the editor. Tell us about that day. 
Yeah, I don't think that I uh I don't think I fully realized the 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 impact of that situation at that point. Um it wasn't until a little bit later that I think I, I realized what that meant because I was so new there and uh, was had been so head down, you know, kind of on this this other thing, this getting this venue space going, literally mm-hmm. meeting with contractors every day and getting the flooring done. So yeah, I mean, work had, um, he, he brought this vision that really, like I said, expanded the OA into uh, a media company. And, um, it was surprising to, to many of us that, uh, that, that he left and, and then, and it, it was a big hole to fill. I mean, he was, he's a he, very intelligent person. He's a brilliant fundraiser and knows a lot of people. Well connected. So, yeah. I just want to take a real quick break and tell everybody you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Ryan Harris, Executive Director and Program Director of the nonprofit Oxford American uh, Literary Project in Little Rock, Arkansas, an outreach program that in conjunction with UCA, South on Main Restaurant, and Oxford American Magazine supports and celebrates regional musicians, writers, videographers, and visual artists. All right, so in walks the savior Eliza Bornet, a 30-year-old to fill Warwick Saban's huge shoes. Sort of. So this is a slight correction there. Okay. So um, actually, Ray Wittenberg became the interim publisher. That's right. I after, forgot. After Warwick And he left. had been that before. He had been that before. So and he knew so, the role. So Ray knew the role, and uh, the board uh, had, had Ray uh, be the interim publisher for a while. But shortly thereafter... Uh, the editor, Roger Hodge, uh, decided to resign because he was offered a new job working with a company called The Intercept in Brooklyn. You've lost your core people. You've lost Roger, the editor. You've lost Warren, the publisher. You're brand new. You're thinking, yeah. I'm going down on the ship. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I don't, because I was so head down focused on this venue thing, I don't think I realized how big of a deal it was at the time <laughs> looking back on it now how how crazy it was maybe i'm just not that smart but uh at any rate yeah it was uh that was a very serious moment for the organization you know there was some board restructuring that was done at the time and um you know like uh, this phoenix rising from the ashes there it's really go. sort of the you know the core group of people who really cared about the mission and and about seeing the thing continue that some of the younger, newer folks that Roger had brought in and me that really kind was of Was Eliza already down. working there? Yeah. So interestingly, Eliza Bornet and I started on the exact same day. I didn't realize that. She was hired either as an associate or assistant editor. Um, she's the Little Rock native, but she had been working in Nashville for a company called Book Page and had run into Roger Hodge at a conference. Hodge, uh, you know, chatted her up and discovered she had been an intern at the OA, you know, like five or six years prior and that she was from Little Rock. And so she sort of casually said, well, the only thing that would get me to move back to Little Rock would be working for the Oxford American. And so he hired her. So interestingly, you know, Eliza and I didn't know each other. We lived in different parts of the country, but we started on the same day. And then she left. She did not leave. She went to Nashville, I thought you said. No, no, no. She, she was recruited from Nashville on that day. to start working on that yeah to start working in little rock so anyway yeah so she kind of worked her way up through the ranks on the editorial side um along with some other um some other young folks who have now been with us five six years that have just really had the passion and the commitment so Uh, she's a she started as a writer no an editor yeah assistant or associate editor editor. i don't know what her official title was but 
Anyway, when Hodge leaves, um, she we we did a you know she became the interim editor, and we did a national search for an editor, and um, you know uh, interviewed several people, and ultimately the board decided that uh, Eliza was the you know the most qualified, best fit for where we were as an organization, and and so in fall of 2015 she becomes the first female editor of the organization and uh 30 years old the third editor uh in the organization's history and she's uh she's done a brilliant job so her co-worker is uh jay jennings who mm -hmm. is a rock star really jay, jay is a rock star in many ways in many ways he's done sports illustrated and tennis he's the author of carry the rock race football and the soul of american city about the central high football team 50 years after the 1957 integration crisis which was nationally acclaimed sure he's worked in new york he's done he's done lots of things and he's decided he's also a little rock native mm -hmm. and he says this about eliza which i just love her name eliza it's such an old-fashioned name he says, as a person who has worked for New York magazines for the past 20 years, I can say Eliza is the equal of any editor I've worked with. He continues to say, and I feel so lucky that this place where I can come and do what I love is just five blocks away from where I live in my own hometown. Yeah. Yeah, having that kind of endorsement from Jay Jennings is a is a big deal. He's a prince of a guy. I've never met anybody who uh, who didn't instantly light up and say oh i love jay jennings but more than that he's a brilliant editor and brilliant. and um and he's her assistant editor or senior editor yeah so jay's a senior editor he's um you know he's brought a lot of relationships a lot of again sort of life experience um to sort of the big picture of you know um where the magazine goes what place that it has in the you know literary and arts landscape nationally um and he's just been a wonderful advocate and i think mentor to mentor to many of us myself included and it's interesting to me that you're right it's like that eagle song you can once you leave you can once you get there you can never leave what's that song oh you're talking about that line from hotel california yes you can check out anytime you like but you can't never leave that is your <laughs> that you think we practice that that is your that is the oxford americans motto <laughs> to me because ray is still there yeah uh and he's been publisher now two times mm-hmm um, um, uh, Eliza came back. Mm -hmm. You'll have Smirnoff back before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and and think about John Grisham. He came back twice. Did he? Well, um, he, he did it first with Smirnoff, and then he came back and published it himself the second time. Oh, I. You know. That, that, think about that. That mayor. Yeah. That. I'm. No comment. All okay, right. Okay, no comment. So, so, so <laughs> Thursday music series. Yeah. What do you got planned? What's coming up? Yeah. So, uh, believe it or not, this is our, I think, fifth season or sixth season. So, we've been doing this six. How six do people falls sign up now. and get involved and yeah, learn about it? Visit oxfordamerican.org slash events, and that'll show you all the events that we have, you know, that we're doing here in Little Rock and or any place else in the country. And actually, um, we're about to announce uh, six nights of events that we're doing in North Carolina. What? To uh, to accompany our North Carolina music issue. Yeah. So we'll be announcing that next week. Y'all are hard workers. But um, Arlo Guthrie? Yeah. So our gala this year, it's our biggest fundraiser, helps uh, keep the lights on at the OA. We've got uh, the legendary folky Arlo Guthrie coming I mean, to Little Rock. that's a big deal. Yeah. Arlo's wonderful. What day is that? It's Wednesday, November 7th. It's down at Ron Robinson Theater. Great so, venue. Uh, so you sit down venue. and watch him? 
Yeah. So it's a sit down, watch Arlo Guthrie mm-hmm. on the stage. You mm-hmm. don't have to dance for people that don't want to dance. No. You don't have to get up and swing. No, sway. no. So it be a pre-concert reception, but uh, yeah, tickets are at uh, OxfordAmerican.com. How much? I'm, I'm sorry, tickets are at MetroTix.com, but for more information, OxfordAmerican.org slash You know events. how much they are? Yeah, they're $200 uh, for the orchestra level and 150 for uh, the balcony. That'd be a great night. What time does it start, too? Because I like to do it early. Doors open at 6 o'clock. Good. You got a reception for two hours, and then Arlo goes on stage at 8. That's so. good. You know I don't like it when they start at 9. That's too late yeah, for me. Yeah, it's bedtime. Well, at Arlo's people are all bedtime people, too. Yeah. Right? You're not going to get a bunch of 20-year-olds down there. Yeah. All you. And they haven't got any money anyway. What's that? Twenty year olds? Or yeah. That? Okay. Yeah. You want the older people that go yeah. to bed early and have the deep pockets. The old folkies. That's what you want. I love it. Thank you. I've enjoyed visiting with you so Thank much. Thank you, Carrie. I love you. You know, and what as I do. always, you're you're looking and sounding fabulous. Well, thank you. Look what I have for you. A, a desk set. Oh, Carrie Arkansas, McCoy. U.S. And what's that? Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you almost got me there for a second. I was like, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that in a minute. Wait, I know that one. <laughs> I know. He kind of had that deer in the headlights look when I said that. He was like, oh, she's fixing to bust me out on something. France. France. Who's <laughs> <laughs> my guest next week, Chris? That's going to be P. Allen Smith, who is the current host of two television shows on PBS, P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table. You know, I have been trying to get him for two years. Yeah. He's hard to pin down. Yeah. Have yeah. you noticed that about yeah, him? Big, hey, I'm glad I'm not coming after him. He's a tough act to follow. He's a great guy. I've known P. Allen Smith before he had the P. He was just Allen. <laughs> and uh, he really, I have known him for so long, and I have beat up on him <laughs> to come on the radio show. And he's finally agreed. I'm really, really excited. And I think he's trying to get another show syndicated, so we'll find out. What that's all about. Again, Chris. I mean, Chris. I mean, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Carrie. <laughs> and congratulations on, on the show and on... How about my grant? On everything that's going on at Dreamland. Yeah, the grant and, and on Up In Your Business and on Flag and Banner. We appreciate you. you. You're an asset to the community. And You're so thanks nice. for doing the show. Well, thank you very much. You You're bet. welcome. Listen, I want to, again, tell everybody a big shout out to Centennial Bank and thank them again for sponsoring Dancing Into Dreamland. Um, this year, November the 2nd, they're our sponsor. Thank you very much. Um, and I want to say if you've got a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact information, too. Uh, that would be, I'm sorry. Questions. Uh, questions. With an S. With an S at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me and Ryan and Chris. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy a production of FlagAndBanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagAndBanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast whenever you like, wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. And Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream.